0: welcome to scuderia f1 the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest formula one news follow us on twitter at scuderia f1 pod and subscribe to the show on itunes and stitcher now here are your hosts mark daly and kevin Laramee. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast. It is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here, Welcome you back to the show this week in which we are now 46 days away from the first round of the 2020 Formula One World Championship, which gets underway on the 12th of March in Melbourne, Australia. Race day goes on the 15th of March, which is obviously a Sunday. And still seems like a long ways away doesn't it but anyways we are inching closer and closer to the start of the season and that is just a good thing because it's been far too long since we had a grand prix and i really need my fix of formula one anyways um, just a couple little notes here about uh, the, the show before i get into it just a, an item of housekeeping i've had some messages over the past week or so and everybody's wondering what happened to kevin and who's this kevin guy that is in the opening uh, the, the credits to the show anyways for those of you that have been wondering where Kevin Laramie is my longtime uh, partner on the show. Kevin went through some major life changes over the past six months. He started a business. He got married, bought a new house. A lot of things going on so what with uh, the, the show basically is self-perpetuating at this uh, time we can both do it or we can I can manage on my own and Kevin's done it occasionally on his own as well so I thought I would just give him a little bit of the space that uh, that he needs just to kind of deal with all the other things he they also got a puppy recently I mean geez if there's not enough things going on you have to get a dog on top of it but anyways I thought I'd just give the space that he needed and then uh, reconnect uh, closer to the season but also on another note I've actually been thinking about maybe rebranding the show. And that's one of the reasons why I've kind of stuck with the opener we've had for so long that we've used since, well, basically 2016. So four years ago, this is the, the fifth time we're covering the World Championship here on uh, on on this podcast. And the biggest reason why I haven't done anything with it is because I haven't really thought of anything <laughs> to rebrand it or come up with a better alternative. So I thought rather than go out there and, and spend some money and, and, and get our voice guy to do that and produce that and get all the all the, uh, you know, the sound effects put in, I thought I'd wait until I come up with something really cool if that's what I decide to do. And I thought at least in the, 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 the meantime, the name of the branding still works. So I thought, you know, what the hell. Anyway, so let's uh, talk about um, Formula One. That's what uh, we're here to do. And that's what uh, we're always here to do. And talk about inching closer to the season. I've also got some uh, good news uh, because it was um, announced uh, earlier this week that season two of the Netflix series Drive to Survive will drop on February 28th so just over a month from now so if you do have uh, a subscription uh, to Netflix I highly recommend you checking that out season one dropped about a year ago and that covered the uh, the 2018 Formula One World Championship and I found it an absolutely fascinating and riveting uh, series I think there was I can't remember off the top of my head somewhere between eight and ten episodes that seems seems about right at any rate. But uh, it, I, I always thought that the the first season I, m- I may not enjoy it because uh, in the first uh, year Ferrari and uh, Mercedes didn't participate, and I always thought that might take away from the the overall uh, effect or maybe the. Um I don't know what you want to call the gravitas of the the, the show. But I still thought uh, that even though any uh, appearances by anybody from either of those two teams was limited to stock footage that uh, we'd probably all seen throughout uh, 2018 from different media events and, and, and whatnot... I still don't think it really detracted from the series at all. I mean, it obviously would have been, uh, you know, a, a lot better if the, they were able to get behind the scenes with the, with the Ferrari or or Mercedes or you know, you have some one on one with guys like Sebastian Vettel and Valtteri Bottas, Lewis Hamilton, Kimi Raikkonen. Obviously, when he was uh, still with Ferrari but um, so they're involved uh, this year but I, I thought it was really, it was quite fascinating, especially some of the stuff, uh, you know the Red Bull situation, you know, with the Ricardo going to Renault, the whole split between Renault and Red Bull and all those things, it, it's, it was kind of interesting to be kind of a, a fly on the wall, I, I remember one scene with uh, Cyril Abitaboul and uh, Christian Horner uh, standing outside uh, the, the motorhome or the media centre, wherever it was and uh, it was a bit frosty and an awkward silence between the two of them and, and it was really really well done, so I'm really looking forward to the, uh, the, the the new season dropping. So if you don't have uh, a subscription to, to Netflix, maybe this is the, the time to go and do it. No, they're not sponsoring this show, so I'm not going to get any advertising money out of it. But who knows? Maybe you can get a free trial. And so if you could do that, yeah, sign up, watch F1 to, uh, Drive to Survive. And, uh, well, you didn't hear that here. <laughs> I'm not trying to get you guys to circumvent uh, the system, but uh, very cool. Uh, like I say, this year, Season 2, we'll have all 10 of uh, the F1 teams uh, that, uh, that participate in the 2019 World Championship, and uh, very, very cool, so can't wait for that that, uh, to to get going. Anyway, so there is uh, a lot of other things uh, going on that that I want to talk about uh, in the show this week, and this one is... um this first item, I, I actually found a little bit uh, surprising. That is that uh, Fernando Alonso was no longer uh, an ambassador for McLaren, and you know, after he left Formula One, that uh, there was still this um, arrangement that they had. I mean, he kind of walked away, uh, saying that, uh, that he left it kind of open, didn't he? Saying that uh, he would uh, he, he would keep his options open and would uh, perhaps uh, come back in the future if the situation uh, allowed itself. And also, he was very keen to see what uh, was going to happen with the with the regulations for Formula One in in twenty. 21, but it was made official that uh, that this is uh, no longer a thing. So he has um, uh, he did have um, this, like I say, this uh, ambassador uh, role with the team after he stopped after 2018. So he he still had close links with the team. He was still helping advise the team's drivers and engineers, and he did a, a Pirelli tire test in the 2019 car. He was also uh, part of McLaren's efforts uh, last year at the Indiana uh, Indianapolis 500, but that was uh, obviously quite uh, underwhelming and disappointing for. Fernando, because uh, whereas he did very well in his first run at the 500, uh, only to um, succumb to engine problems uh, later in the race last year, he didn't even qualify, which was uh, really really disappointing. And uh, so, anyways, um, his uh, ambassador deal ran until the uh, the end of uh, 2019, and uh, McLaren confirmed uh, earlier this week um, that uh, it has not been uh, renewed uh, for 2020. So, anyways, uh, they said in a release, uh, "quote Fernando is a world class competitor, and we wish him well for the future." While our relationship has come to a natural conclusion, he will always remain a part of the McLaren family. So anyway, uh, so who knows what's going to happen uh, for, for 2021, uh, whether or not uh, he thinks uh, he can come back. Like we were talking about on the show last week with uh, Tim Haraney and Mark uh, Gil, uh, Mark and Gill from the Flash F1 podcast. Fernando, great driver, but his legacy in Formula One is somewhat... Um, Complicated. It uh, it is uh, somewhat. Uh, there's a bit of a cloud hangs over because he burnt a lot of britches when when he was in Formula One. Having said that, uh, am I intrigued with the possibility that uh, that he wants to come back to Formula One? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, honestly, I, I can't foresee a situation in which uh, he would come back. I mean, obviously, McLaren would be the one option that uh, seems to be. The most logical, just, just based on the you know the role that he had there for four seasons from 2015 to 2018, end of 2018, and uh, the fact that he was an ambassador. But, I mean, they seem to be doing pretty good. I mean, uh, last year, fourth in world championship with uh, Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris. Now, the big question, of course, is whether or not uh, Carlos Sainz and, La- and Lando Norris can take McLaren to the next level and, and help them get to close that gap uh, to, to Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes. Yeah, that that's a big question. Uh, I, I think that uh, Lando Norris did very very well in his rookie season in Formula One, and Carlos Sainz, he's a good F one driver, but I don't know if um, he has really what it takes. I, I of course he's never had a, a car that can challenge uh, for for race victories or podiums or anything like that. But I don't know, is he a race winner? I have my doubts, but again, I could be uh, proven wrong. All right. Well, uh, moving on to the next item uh, of business, we're going to stick here kind of on the, uh, the the behind the scenes stuff in Formula One before we get into some of the, 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 the juicier things, including Lewis Hamilton saying he's going to be a quote unquote machine in 2020. And so that's uh, kind of ominous if you're a rival for Lewis Hamilton and anyways uh, Formula One this week has now confirmed the departure of a uh, commercial boss uh, Sean Bratches uh, he left uh, his full time role uh, earlier this week uh, in order to spend more time uh, with his uh, family so uh, he has uh, been on board ever since uh, uh, Liberty Media took over Formula One a couple of years ago uh, back in January 2017 and uh, he was basically part of that uh, the trinity of uh, of Chase Carey uh, Ross Braun on the technical and the, the, the sporting side and Sean Bratches was the, uh, the the commercial guy so he his main focus was um, growing the income from hosting race fees sponsorships broadcasting deals and and that sort of things uh, but you know he was uh, he was ba- he was working uh, out of London and he was finding it very difficult to, to stay away so far from his uh, family back in the USA over in, uh, in Connecticut and uh, on top of that I mean <laughs> having to travel to over 20 races a year so you can understand why that uh, he would have made that uh, choice. So anyways, um, Bratch has had to say, quote, the past three years at Formula One has been an incredible journey, one which I have enjoyed thoroughly. I want to personally thank the team at F1 for their extraordinary efforts and dedication. They are the best of the best. I am confident they will continue to serve fans and deliver the strategy that we have set in the years ahead. I'm proud that I leave F1 in a better position than when I joined in 2017. And I know that the foundation we have put in place as a team will continue to serve our fans around the world and reach new audiences. Yes. <laughs> So there you go. Anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, uh, again, just the, the, the different approach to Formula One and the commercial side and uh, some of the things that uh, that Liberty's done. I mean, it, it hasn't been worlds apart from what uh, what it was uh, before under uh, Bernie Ecclestone. But I mean, there there is a difference. I mean, there is a tangible and noticeable difference. I mean, the, the, the one thing is, Bernie, of course, uh, would, uh, you, know, you wanted to watch Formula One, you couldn't, uh, I mean, there was a big crackdown on any kind of like moving pictures. So, I mean, there was uh, no videos, uh, you know, Live streaming from the pits or social media and that sort of stuff. Um, I, I mean, the one thing that uh, I have to admit that that I found a little bit uh, underwhelming is the uh, the F one TV app. And of course, I can't uh, really enjoy the uh, the the full offerings that uh, that it's capable of because uh, here in uh, in Canada, uh, TSN, the sports network, uh, which is an ESPN affiliate, and which my uh, my guest uh, last week on the uh, the, the roundtable, Tim Hareny, is they're the commercial rights uh, holder in Canada. I don't know how long the, 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 the deal runs for. In general, I think that uh, TSN is pretty good uh, in the job that they do. I mean, they broadcast uh, everything that, that's uh, available from qualifying, the uh, the, the, the pit uh, walk and uh, the driver parade and all those sorts of things. So, I mean, we get to get more things on TV now than uh, we, we we ever had in the past. But so the, the one thing, and this is just me, I get a little bit annoyed uh, during the middle of the race. It seems whenever there's something uh, interesting, they, uh, they cut to a commercial, but I mean, it's not like uh, they completely cut away like you might see in a, in a hockey game or football game, but at least there's a stoppage in play, right? What they do is kind of a picture in picture thing. So you can still uh, watch what's, uh, what's going on. But the thing is that uh, the, the, races aren't available for several days and uh, you know, you, you don't really get everything. And the, the one thing that I found uh, really frustrating and disappointing, uh, at least uh, what's available uh, to me on um, my F1 TV app is uh, just the, the, the sparsely popular Populated archive. I mean, you've got over 50 years of uh, Formula One races uh, and Grand Prix that uh, that you can you can populate this uh, this app with. And I can understand that some of these races from the, from the past may be difficult uh, to uh, to I don't know. You would assume that at this day and age everything would be uh, digitized, but uh, maybe not. But uh, I, I went back uh, even as uh, recently as uh, as two thousand and one. Two thousand and one is the very first time I went to uh, a Formula One Grand Prix, and that was at the the Nurburgring uh, in Germany for the European Grand Prix that year. And I'd um, subsequently uh, managed to find it uh, on on YouTube before it was uh, taken down. But anyways, I wanted to go back and uh, and, and watch it again on the uh, on the app, and so you do get some full races, then you get extended highlights or a condensed race uh, for other some there's nothing at all. And, um, th- and that, that's what I find a, a little bit, uh, disappointing. I mean, you're, you're, you're ponying up all this cash to get the, uh, the subscription for the year or the month or wh- whatever it is, the different options uh, that are available. And, uh, you know, there really is kind of, uh, it's kind of really limited in what you, uh, you can do at times. And, you know, honestly, and this is probably the, the F1 nerd in me speaking, but I would love the option to, to be able to go back and watch, uh, an entire season, uh, at a time and really enjoy that or you know especially go back to to some of the races uh, that I've watched uh, over the years and uh, and and watch those again and enjoy those but who knows I mean they keep saying that um, that they're going to eventually get all these things up but there are some really cool ones out there I mean I went back and uh, I watched I think it was the British Grand Prix from 1986 or 1987 I watched that about uh, six months ago and uh, that was really uh, something amazing that was uh, back in the day when you Basically, had two world championships in Formula One. You had half of the field uh, that were basically uh, turbo powered, and the other half were normally aspirated uh, cars, which they competed. I think for like the Jim Clark Cup or something like that. Anyways, this is in the heyday of uh, Nelson Piquet and Nigel Mansell at uh, at Williams, and that was a Honda power back then, and it was it was amazing. Just only after several laps, they're already starting to lap some of the really ridiculously slow cars at the uh, at the back of the grid, but. But, you know that that is part of the reason why they came up this hundred and seven percent rule, and uh, and when it came to qualifying and and, and whatnot. But it really was, um, uh, I mean, it was amazing just how dominant uh, they were. And I mean, that is the the, the Williams that I remember from my childhood. It was was just how how good and how fast and how dominant they were in Formula One in the late nineteen eighties. And then uh, it, it wasn't just uh, them; uh, it was uh, McLaren as well. I mean, those were the two. T- I mean, we think nowadays uh, Ferrari and McLaren are the two. Heavyweights going at it, and uh, back then it was a uh, McLaren and Williams. And of course, it's like any other sport. I mean, there there are always teams that uh, there, there's peaks and valleys for for every team in every sport. But it uh, you know when, when I look at the the, the depths that uh, the Williams have sunk to, and and uh, McLaren are starting to pull themselves out of. Uh, this year is going to be very interesting to see where they go. But uh, it, it really was uh, something to, to behold, and, uh, and and really go back and uh, watch those. Anyways, uh, time for a quick break, and uh, when we come back on the other side, we got uh, plenty more to talk about, including pay TV is not about uh, money, says Formula One. Anyways, we'll be back in a moment. Don't go away. Getting simply safe home security is like getting commercial grade enterprise level security, but for your own home. Think about the security that Fortune five hundred companies use they need to know that police are going to be on the scene immediately and this is exactly the kind of security you're going to get with simply safe if there's a break-in simply safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime and that means that police will dispatch up to 350 percent faster than for a normal burglar alarm with simply safe you get comprehensive protection for your home Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. Entry, motion, and glass break sensors guard inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning. And it's all monitored 24 7 by live security professionals. You can set up your system yourself with no tools needed, or Simply Safe's experts can do it for you. And it only costs 50 cents a day with no contracts. So go to simplysafe.com/slash/overtime today to get free shipping on your order plus a sixty-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com/slash/overtime to save on home security today. Simplysafe.com/slash/overtime. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Yes, as I was saying just before the break here, uh, Formula One says that uh, PTV is not about the money. So I really don't uh, fully appreciate uh, this uh, this whole uh, story because um the <laughs> As is uh, the case, for, I think for for all of North America, a lot of these things, uh, like Formula One, they fall on specialty channels uh, which we have to pay for in part of our cable package. I don't know if there's anything that uh, you can get uh, <laughs> on free on on the air when it comes to TV anymore. Uh, anymore, I mean, I still remember, uh, you know, in the the early '90s or mid '90s. I mean, people in certain places. I remember going to businesses, you know, go to the barber shop or somewhere like that, and they might have a, a set of rabbit ears up on top of an old TV set. Uh, and there would be something playing in the back. But I don't know if that's even still a a, a thing around here. Anyways, um, so this is obviously uh, something that's a a thing in other parts of the world. Uh, But uh, F1 said that they did enjoy an increase in their uh, cumulative uh, TV audience in 2019, uh, while the level of unique users remained stable in uh, its 20 key markets. And uh, that actually fell a a little bit uh, overall. So anyways, uh, they said uh, that their cumulative uh, audience, uh, which is basically an aggregate of the average audience of all the F1 programs that they brought, um, the broadcast across the entire year was up uh, 9% on 2018 to 1.922 billion viewers. And that is the, the highest figure that they've uh, recorded in nearly a decade. So that's going back to uh, to 20 uh, 2012. So the top key or five key markets uh, which are uh, compre- uh, compre- Sorry, gosh, I'm going to have to get some coffee here. So the top five key markets that contributed over 100 million viewers to that uh, total, and these are all kind of, uh, I think, fairly self-explanatory, were Brazil, Germany, Italy, the United Kingdom... And uh, well, maybe a bit of a surprise here for some people, but not really. But uh, coming in uh, number five in the top five key F one markets for television is the Netherlands. So uh, obviously, uh, Max Verstappen uh, having a big impact on on F one viewership and uh, and fans in Holland. And uh, you know, being uh, coming from a Dutch family and uh, from someone that's uh, lived there myself, I can completely understand that. I mean, well, I mean, uh, we can just take one example from recent history: go back to the Austrian Grand Prix last year, and uh, just the the amount of you know, Max Mania in the stands and the orange clad uh, Dutch fans. I mean, uh, it looked like uh, a party there. <laughs> I mean, obviously it was after Max won, uh, uh, but uh, that, so that's kind of cool. So it uh, it, it is interesting uh, just to see that uh, that overall the numbers are up. So it kind of uh, links in nicely with what uh, Sean Bratches was uh, saying on his departure from uh, Formula One, that it is in a in a better uh, state in now in, uh, at the end of 2019 and uh, the beginning of 2020 than where it was uh, when he joined up uh, with the. Organization organization uh, three years ago. So we'll, we'll have to see how it uh, goes uh, from there. I mean, there's a, I, I mean, Formula One is, I mean, it's World Championship. I mean, they call the World Championship for obvious reasons. I mean, it starts in Australia and it goes all the way around the world, uh, touches on basically all the continents and uh, then winds up in the Middle East in Abu Dhabi at the end of uh, November. So, I mean, it's a, a significant amount of uh, the, the year that is uh, dedicated uh, to the Formula One season. I mean, we're going to have the 22 race. Races this year, which is uh, unprecedented, and I mean they're they're still uh, hinting at more, you know, adding uh, other races, and I mean it, it's it's absolutely a, a wonderful thing. So, I mean the the thing is, I mean there are, I mean what with the information and uh, broadcasts, I mean there's there's so much available nowadays, not uh, just on uh, cable television, but also uh, online. I mean, uh, th- this is uh, truly a-, a cool time to be alive and to-, to-, to be able to access these things. And I think that uh, Formula One, I mean, I-, I think to a point, I mean, even though it's like uh, 1.9 billion viewers uh, overall, I mean, uh, <laughs> how many people are there in the world now? Eight billion? So, I mean, that's a significant portion of the world's population. But I think that, uh, especially here in North America, that, uh, that-, that it's still a bit of an untapped market. I mean, we've seen Formula One go into um, what I always call the non-traditional markets uh, in in recent years and decades, and I think that's cool. I mean, I, I think that uh, that's a perfect uh, thing to do: expose different uh, parts of the world to, to Formula One and uh, truly make it a, a very diverse uh, world championship. Uh, I, I mean, as much as I love um, the, the traditional tracks like uh, Silverstone, Monza, Spa, you know, any any of those tracks, I, I think it's uh, it's really cool to see this year. Well, we're seeing a, a, I I wouldn't call it an old but uh, definitely an old one and the the Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort, the the redesigned one we're going to have the the Vietnamese Grand Prix which is going to be interesting uh, and and looks like it could be a pretty cool track Miami looks like it's going to come online at some point Uh, we're going to get to that in a moment but all these uh, different uh, places that we've seen as well like uh, throughout the Middle East uh, we had Malaysia that dropped away which is uh, disappointing Singapore has uh, become a bit of a favorite race of mine Uh, you know it's it's a real marathon and uh, something that's uh, sort of cropped up uh, over the years and kind of juxtapose that with uh, you know against um, uh, Monaco which is honestly one of my least favorite races uh, of the entire year and um, I've just found it to become uh, less watchable uh, over the years I mean most recently would be uh, Daniel Ricciardo's uh, win, which uh, you know in 2018, which was uh, kind of fun to watch, even though uh, you know he had uh, everybody backed up uh, behind him because uh, he had engine problems and uh, nobody was able to pass one another. It uh, it was a. Uh it was entertaining and, I guess, spellbinding, maybe more spellbinding than entertaining uh, to the point, well, is uh, anybody going to be able to uh, muster up the courage or find uh, a little bit of space to to actually get around and pass Danny Ricardo or can he hang on and uh, keep his car out uh, in front? But uh, most of the time, uh, you know, it is... Uh it's not my favorite race, but uh, anyways. anyways, we'll move on. But uh, like I say, cool to see uh, such a, a lot of, uh, you know, increase in the the TV viewership uh, numbers. So just uh, talking about uh, Zanfort, um, you know, this is going to obviously uh, a lot to do with uh, Max Mania. And uh, this is the first time that uh, we've had uh, the Dutch Grand Prix in a very, very long time. And uh, the one thing that's uh, going to be different is uh, they're uh, adding this uh, banked uh, section uh, to the track, you know, very much... Uh, Kind of like Indianapolis, uh, the the corners that they have there. So what, uh, what the, uh, the, the chiefs at Sanfort have uh, decided to do at the track uh, is to uh, hold back on their release of their track data to, um, and I kind of like this, it's kind of to throw a, a bit of chaos into to the mix here because, uh, what they, 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 don't want the teams too prepared for the, uh, for the Dutch Grand Prix. And I kind of uh, like that. So, I mean, the, the, the F1 teams uh, really put in a lot of effort uh, and a lot of, uh, analysis into their preparations for each and every race, uh, for their, for their, uh, driving simulations and, and trying to find the perfect setup for the car before they even get to the track and, uh, and get going. But, uh, they, they've, um, they, they've decided, and I really like this, uh, to to hold back some of the uh, you know the, the the information that the team teams can get and uh, they're only kind of giving them the the essential data right now um, so uh, basically uh, a sporting director at Zanfort uh, Jan Lammers who I believe was in Formula One a long time ago very briefly he had to say quote um, of course Yarno was a lot of detailed uh, data from uh, Dromo's own situations and uh, he's talking about uh, Dromo chief uh, Yarno Zaffarelli or the uh, the designers uh, he goes on to say quote but all modern F1 teams work scientifically so if he gives all the data to them then they will enter it into their simulator programs in no time this is exactly what we don't want to happen so what he gives them is very limited we want drivers to go out on the track during friday practice to find the best possible setup so that's a bit of old school racing and makes the, the weekend probably a bit unpredictable and uh, you know i really kind of like that and uh, it'll be interesting to see how this uh, works out and uh, if it uh, how how it affects uh, the different cars the different drivers and the different teams and who knows, maybe that's uh, something that's uh, worth exploring in the future. I mean, if they have uh, everything all figured out before they even really get to the track, why not um, put more variables into it? Um, you know, I mean, we're always talking about things like uh, limiting driver's aids and, you know, giving more of the control of the car back to, to the guy that's actually in the cockpit, the, that's actually sitting behind the steering wheel and not uh, giving him uh, too many uh, little gadgets and um, things that uh, that uh, make his life a little bit easier. I I mean I I think that uh, F1 cars I mean they've got to be safe they can't be unpredictable and obvious things like that but I mean at at the same time I think that part of it uh, the the racing is more than just uh, going fast I think that uh, being the best driver uh, comes down to um, you know a multitude of things it's not only uh, you know how you know how you hold a line going through the corner your racecraft, and all those uh, sorts of things I think it also comes to uh, determining the best uh, setup uh, for your car and, and and getting that all right so I don't do necessarily disagree with uh, what Zunford is uh, doing. And uh, like I say, I mean, if, if it works out and it adds a little bit of unpredictability and makes uh, th- them work a little bit harder, then I'm all for it. Okay, well, let's uh, move on to the the next one. And this is uh, some interesting uh, stuff coming out because um, there is, um, well, a new track in Saudi Arabia that aims to be ready for Formula One by 2023, which is in uh, three years. So um, they've got a new state-of-the-art racetrack in uh, Quidia. I hope I'm uh, pronouncing that uh, correctly. Apologies if I'm not. And uh, this has been uh, confirmed by the the Circuit Chiefs uh, at an event uh, last Friday. So the the layout has been uh, designed by Formula Grand uh, Formula One uh, Grand Prix driver Alexander Wirtz who was uh, back and around in the late uh, 1990s early 2000s um, so um, it has been um, it's up to the standards that are required to hold a Formula One race and the aim is to have the track ready for a Grand Prix if uh, Saudi Arabia is actually successful in uh, securing um, a, a race with Formula One in a couple of uh, years uh, time so they're, they're they're building it to, to be able to hold uh, MotoGP events WEC regional national championships uh, events and all the way up uh, to, to Formula One. So, I mean, they're going to be uh, <laughs> setting up uh, or sp- spending a significant uh, amount of money uh, to do this. And uh, so it's understood that also that uh, Sean Bratches and uh, Cheese Carey visited Saudi Arabia last year uh, to talk with the Saudi Arabian uh, royal family about uh, the, the possibility of hosting a Formula One race there in the, in the near future. So if it goes ahead, uh, it's going to be a couple of years, but uh, it, it is in interesting uh, to see that some of these venues, these different uh, different cities, different countries are starting to get races now because I think it was about uh, two years ago now I remember uh, listening uh, or reading an article somewhere it was just something I just uh, found in passing and uh, it, it really caught my eye because uh, uh, Chase Carey was saying at the time that he had uh, interest or in the, there was up to 40 different venues or interested parties that were interested in uh, hosting a Formula One race around the entire world and I mean, I must admit, I was a little bit incredulous and a little bit, uh, oh, really? <laughs> well, if uh, if that's the case, prove it. And of course, some of these uh, talks are, are confidential, but certainly we've seen uh, a couple of those uh, come out uh, over the past uh, couple of years, uh, you know, subsequently since then. Anyways, um, just uh, talking about uh, new races, uh, Miami, the, the race organizers there have, um, they well, they've revealed a new track layout, which is, <laughs> I don't know, I've kind of lost track on uh, how many different items uh, ideas that they've come up with over the past couple of years. Uh, of course, uh, they've been looked at several different uh, places that they could have hosted uh, a race there and it's all met with the opposition at, uh, at, at one point or another. Anyways, uh, they've uh, released a, a map of the latest version of the the proposed circuit around the, the Hard Rock Stadium where the uh, NFL Miami Dolphins play and it now avoids use of any public uh, rural, uh, roads. And the, the last time that they came out with uh, a uh, proposed uh, track um, uh track layout several months ago that was uh, met by a lot of opposition uh, from local residents. And yeah, I, I mean, as disappointing as it is to hear those sorts of things, I, I completely understand why uh, people would not be uh, thrilled if, uh, you know, the, if it becomes uh, too invasive. So it sounds like uh, that they're starting slowly, but surely starting to um, uh, to get things all, all sorted out. Um, and they promise that there will be uh, no racing during school hours, which would obviously be a bit of an issue. Uh, on Thursday and Friday, uh, for for the free practice sessions uh, for Formula One and maybe some of the support races, and uh, that is a response to the to complaints uh, that uh, you know about potential noise and air pollution associated uh, with any of the vents uh, impacting uh, the local schools and the and the children around there. So, anyways, um, there, there was a, a map that was uh, revealed in a tweet by Tom Garfinkel, who is uh, the vice chairman, uh, chairman, and president and CEO of both the uh, Miami Dolphins and the stadium organization, and. Uh, Uh, Garfinkel was uh, also uh, previously uh, the vice president, executive uh, vice president, pardon me, of uh, Chip Ganassi Racing is also uh, promoting the F1 race. So when he presented the image of the map, uh, Garfinkel had to say, quote, the F1 Miami Grand Prix will showcase Miami-Dade and Miami Gardens to the world. See new track below world-class racing without using 199th Street and no racing during school hours. We hope the county commission will support our effort to to deliver this huge global event to you. So obviously they still have... uh, their their hurdles uh, to get uh, out of the way there, but uh, hopefully they can uh, get it over with and or they can get past them and find a solution that works uh, for everyone. Because again, uh, as I was saying a little bit earlier, just about the potential for Formula One and uh, the, the fact that uh, it still is, it flies under the radar here in North America, to be quite honest. I mean, those who love it and really love uh, Formula One here, but uh, compared to uh, a lot of the other uh, top-notch uh, sports sports, Uh, And it doesn't matter what it is. uh, Formula One certainly uh, falls, there lags far, far behind a lot of the other ones. Anyways, uh, time for another quick break and we'll be back in just one moment. Hey guys, I just want to take a quick break away from the show to talk to you about something I'm really excited about. And that's today's show is being sponsored by The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site featuring quality content for real sports fans that goes way beyond the box score. The Athletic is setting a new standard for sports news because their coverage focuses on a mix of long-form journalism, original reporting, and in-depth analysis. At The Athletic, you're going to get quality journalism and in-depth coverage of your favorite team from local writers who really know what's going on, plus you're going to get great content from national writers you already know like Jay Glazer, Mike Sando, and Michael Lombardi. Get exclusive player profiles, deep dives on analytics, team power rankings, and fantasy sports insights you won't find anywhere else. Each subscriber gets a personalized feed of stories, live writer Q&As, and more. Just download the Athletic app, pick your favorite teams, and the Athletic will begin surfacing all the latest on the players and storylines that matter to you. The Athletic is clutter-free reading with no ads, no pop-ups, no autoplay video or clickbait. It's just good content because the Athletic is created for fans and not for advertisers. Your subscription to The Athletic is going to get you a ton of great things, including full access to all sports, teams, cities, and writers. The Athletic lets you customize and choose the content you care about, and it's going to get even better as more cities and writers are added to the site. So you're still not sold? Just check out some of the great journalists currently writing for The Athletic. For Major League Baseball, there's Ken Rosenthal, Jason Stark, Peter Gammons, and Jim Bowden. For the NBA, there's Shams Charania, David Aldridge, Sam Amick, and Zach Harper. For the NFL, there's Jay Glazer, Michael Lombardi, Lindsey Jones, Dane Brugler, and Bob Stern. And I know quite a few of the soccer people at The Athletic, and they're absolutely first class. For example, I was reading an article the other day written by my buddy Matt Pence called How Nike, Adidas, and e-commerce Threaten Their Survival of Mom and Pop Soccer Shops. It was a really great read, and honestly, it was a real eye-opener. So if you're ready to get started and would like to save 40% off a yearly subscription to The Athletic's complete library of written, audio, and video content covering professional college sports at a national local level, go to theathletic.com overtime. That's theathletic.com overtime. Once again, if you want to save 40% off a le- yearly subscription to The Athletic, go to, and this is uh, all lowercase, theathletic.com overtime. All right. Well, welcome back to the show, and we're gonna stick with the uh, the, the theme that we've been with on the, uh, the 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 behind the scenes, if it was uh, for Formula One. Anyways, uh, FIA President uh, Jean Todt says that uh, complaints about growing the Formula One calendar are just wrong. And uh, of course, like I was saying, uh, we do have uh, a record twenty two races being held here, with uh, Vietnam and uh, the Netherlands joining the current uh, schedule, and only Hockenheim and Germany dropping off it. That That, uh, to me, is... uh it's not the end of the world. I'm uh, not a fan of the uh, you know quote unquote uh, new Hockenheim. I know that the the old one where they kind of went through the stadium section, and then disappeared in the forest for a long time was yeah, it was probably old and outdated to uh, uh, to a certain extent. Uh, I, I did go to Hockenheim a number of years ago, probably the last year just before they uh, they did the, uh, the the complete revamp of the whole circuit, and um, it was I, I mean I was there for a DTM race, uh, mind you, I wasn't there for a Formula One, but still. It uh, it was kind of a cool place. I mean, it was a it was a, a power track. But the thing was, I mean, the the cars would come into the stadium section, come around uh, past the pits, start, finish, and then to that right hander, and then disappear into the forest, and then you wouldn't see or hear them for a, a couple of minutes until they came back around again. I mean, so spectator wise, it wasn't really all that great. But I'm just not really a big fan of the uh, the the layout there. But still, uh, you know, Germany, and uh, the, the, I mean, as much as I'm not, uh, you know, not too. Uh, upset about the loss of Hockenheim. I, I do think that uh, Germany obviously should have a, uh, a place on the Formula One uh, uh, calendar, so uh, you know, maybe uh, they, they can bring that back uh, to either Hockenheim or the, the Nürburgring in the future. We'll have to, to wait and see. Anyways... Um, going back to what Jean Todt was saying, uh, that uh, that he doesn't think that uh, there's any issue with that. He said that the people who work in Formula One shouldn't complain about the calendar expanding in the future and instead acknowledge how fortunate they are to be involved in the sport. You know, that kind of sounds like something my dad would say. Anyways, um, you know, the, the regulations do allow for an expansion of up to 25 uh, events, which is amazing because if you think about it, I mean, that's literally half the year. I mean, the 52 uh, uh, weeks in a year, And uh, so, I mean, it's uh, roughly uh, half the year. I mean, they don't run uh, back-to-back weekends, but, you know... When it was uh when it was in 2018 when we had that uh, triple header what was it uh, France Britain and Germany or what whatever it was I thought that was uh, absolutely awesome I mean it was a, it was a wonderful summer of sport because you had that uh, triple header you had the uh, the, the World Cup of uh, soccer going on in uh, in Russia the Tour de France all those cool things that uh, that happened in the in the summer so I I'm, I'm, I'm actually probably from a selfish point of view very much in favor of uh, expanding uh, the, the the calendar even going up to, to the the races, I mean, you would have to think that it's uh, logistically possible, but also, you know, even Chase Carey has talked about what he calls, quote, uh, the the wear and tear on personnel is a potential uh, uh, issue and uh, that's why they're uh, starting to uh, shorten the race weekends uh, starting in 2021 with fewer activities on Thursday. But uh, that was kind of a little bit uh, poo-pooed and uh, downplayed by Jean Toad who had to say, quote, I think it will be a long process before being close to 25 races, probably so much emphasis on speculating, assessing 25 races, and at the moment we should concentrate on 22, which is the situation. Now about what it does represent here, I may have a different point of view. I really feel that, and I include myself, we are so blessed to be in a world where we love what we do. We have the passion. We are privileged. Whoever is in Formula One is privileged. Okay, you have some duties. When I was in the other positions as for a team principal, I was working 18 hours a day, seven days, six or seven days uh, a week because I had passion. I wanted a result. Then, of course, the family, if you have a beloved family, they will understand and you don't do that uh, for all your life. So, I mean, he he does have a good point. I mean, uh, I I think there's a... uh, so many of us on on the outside looking in that uh, would love to work in uh, in Formula One and indulge in our passion, but still, I mean uh, there, there's there that there is that point of it or, or that side to it uh, where people in Formula One should be grateful. I mean everybody that has a, a good job should be grateful for that, but I mean there's the practical point, uh, logistically speaking, and uh, what Chase Carey is saying that uh, you know the uh, the the wear and tear and the stretch on resources. I mean that is a, a very uh, real thing, and uh, well. Well I guess it does come down to it in the end that uh, Formula One is not meant to, to be easy uh, both on and off the track. So maybe that uh, you know maybe that's something that uh, they could potentially explore if the regulations are there to uh, go up to 25 races and uh, they, they think that they can do it, who knows how that works because, you know, we have budget cap coming in. How's that going to work? So, I mean, there, there are a lot of uh, little details that would be needed to, to sort to get sorted out. All right. Well, I did hint about this one uh, a little bit earlier, and uh, this one has to be a little bit ominous if uh, you're uh, a rival of uh, Lewis Hamilton. So there's 19 other guys that are probably looking at this and probably or listening to this and probably, thinking, oh crap, <laughs> here we go again. Anyways, uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, posted a, uh, a picture on uh, on uh, Instagram uh, earlier this week and uh, he uh, went on to say that uh, he uh, intends to be a machine in Formula 1 this year as uh, he really uh, sets his sights and uh, wants to operate on what he says another level than he has uh, before. Anyways, uh, like I said, he did uh, post this uh, photo of himself on Instagram uh, at his house and uh, he said that uh, the happies, happiness he has now would make him even better in 2020. So he said, quote, to a home that I love so much to create, uh, get to create so many wonderful memories brings me more happiness than I ever thought I could deserve. I'm at peace uh, when I'm here, can focus on and build my mind and my body so that I can come back year on year. I'm going to be a machine this year and on another level than ever before. Spread love and positive uh, positivity everywhere you go. So yeah, obviously the, in the, the, the key sentence in there is uh, I'm going to be a machine this year and on another level than ever before. I mean, I just have to come out and say the obvious here. Isn't Lewis Hamilton already on another level than basically everybody else in Formula One right now? <laughs> so uh, I think that's a, that is a little bit ominous. And, and and I said that last week on the show. That's why I am still predicting that the Lewis Hamilton will be world champion by the time that the this season is over, based on the fact that until proven otherwise, I feel I would be stupid to bet against the combination of Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton. I mean, Lewis is still at the top of his game. He's... Still, uh, for for my money, the, the the fastest driver over the the, the course of a, a single lap, it it still absolutely amazes me just how he is able to throw down these amazingly fast laps uh, when he needs to uh, to to secure a pole position, uh, when, and then uh, when he needs to uh, put in some fast laps uh, before or after a pit stop. I mean, the, he did have some issues last year, obviously, uh, in uh, in securing a pole position uh, throughout the middle of the year there, but still, until... I, I just can't do it until proven otherwise I really have a, a difficult uh, point or a difficult time betting against uh, Lewis Hamilton and uh, and not seeing him win the championship this year and I really think that he will and and uh, again like we were saying on the program last week I really don't see him uh, leaving uh, Mercedes after uh, the, this year when his contract is up especially uh, even if he he wins a record uh, or ties the record uh, at seven with Michael Schumacher I mean I think that is the one thing that every Everybody's kind of looking at uh, for him to potentially leave and go to Ferrari because I mean that rumor has been out there for oh at least six weeks, if not uh, going on two months now that uh, that he's met with uh, with the top brass at uh, at Ferrari, and if he was to win the, the the title this year, then you know potentially uh win another one an eighth which would be a new record with ferrari of course i mean that's uh, would be the stuff that uh, dreams are made of but i just uh, feel that that partnership between uh, lewis hamilton and uh, and mercedes is, is too strong and i just uh, i don't know if that would be uh, a bridge that uh, that you couldn't come back across if you were lewis hamilton considering everything that uh, that he did with the or he's done with mercedes over the years i just think that uh, it may just yeah it may take the shine off that uh, relationship i just i i just think that uh, that he's very much now synonymous uh, with uh with uh, with the with the entire brand and i think that very much like uh, tim Horaney was saying last week that uh on the program that uh, that I, I think that uh daimler Benz and mercedes will do whatever it, uh, it takes to keep uh, lewis hamilton racing with them and staying with him until uh, he decides to to call it a quits and, and end his uh, career in formula one and like i say i mean it it, it is a bit ominous uh, to hear him say that and uh, this kind of leads uh, nicely into the the next uh, item that uh, I picked up on and uh Christian Horner team principal at uh, Red Bull said that he's eager to see Lewis Hamilton take on what he calls uh Formula 1's latest uh, talent wave and that uh is in the the pair of uh 22-year-old uh, uh, Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc. I mean they were what uh I don't want to say the word uh, helpless or powerless or anything like that but it's uh, it was very difficult. I mean, the uh, Ferrari, sorry, uh, Mercedes just got off too quick uh, throughout the year. By the time uh, Red Bull and uh, Ferrari had gotten themselves uh, sorted out, the lead at the top and both the constructors and world champion or drivers uh, championships were just uh, unassailable at that point. It was just a question of if not, or sorry, when and not if uh, Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes were going to win. But still, I mean, uh, Verstappen and Leclerc had very impressive uh, campaigns last year. And uh, obviously, I think that's a a big reason why the, the, the pair of them have been given new contracts at their respective teams, for Verstappen at Red Bull until 2023, and Leclerc at Ferrari until 2024, which is really, really cool. But the thing is, I mean, Mercedes has obviously dominated Formula One in the turbo hybrid era, and it's going to be kind of cool to to, to see now. It's, well, I guess, of course, it really depends how things shake out so when we get to Australia in, in about two, just under two months from now. Is, is it going to be all Mercedes again? Or if a Ferrari and Red Bull managed uh, to close the gap, one or, or both of those teams, because uh, it would be a lot of fun to see the, you um, know, we, we've seen Leclerc and uh, Verstappen mixing it up. And we saw, uh, Hamilton mixing up a little bit at the end of the, the, the season. I mean, uh, Alex Albon looks like a, another good uh, driver and uh, they had it coming together in uh, Brazil, but still. Anyway, so uh, Horner had the, the following to say, quote, Every now and again, you get a wave coming along, and I think we've got that at the moment. So I think it's especially exciting that the, the Max Leclerc dynamic, how that's going to play out over future years, how Lewis can still go to toe-to-toe with these guys. Because there's life in him yet as well, and I think he's keen to gauge himself against the young wave coming through. I think for Formula 1, it's fantastic to have the dynamics of the young guys, the challengers coming through, and some of the older guys that are the old dogs that know all the tricks. So, yeah, I mean, uh, that, that would be fun to watch. But again, if Mercedes is uh, just that much uh, further ahead than everybody else, then it's just uh, a little bit uh, academic and, uh, and wishful thinking. Anyways, um, just uh, sticking a little bit now with uh, with uh, Red Bull, and this kind of goes back to uh, the, the very first thing we were talking about, uh, just really briefly, and uh, that is uh, Dr. Helmut Marko at Red Bull uh, said that he has no regrets over uh, Carlos Sainz uh, leaving because he does not rate him or compare him to uh, to max verstappen he actually said he's a quote-unquote no verstappen anyways i think uh, carlos Sainz is a decent driver but uh, i don't think he's a, a top level an elite uh, driver say like a, a charles leclerc or a max verstappen uh, I, I think he he's he's talented and good enough to be in formula one but um I, I just haven't seen uh, the, the same sort of level, uh, uh, you know, the, him do the same, the similar sorts of things, regardless what uh, team that he's been with. I mean, look at what Charles Leclerc did in 2018 with the uh, Sauber Alfa Romeo. I mean, uh, it was not a great car, but I mean, he was absolutely amazing at what, uh, what he did with that car repeatedly uh, throughout the year. Anyways, uh, Marco, uh, did have to, to go on uh, to say, uh, quote, uh, Sainz uh, was uh, comforted with one uh, Max Verstappen, and then, we We had to choose which one of the two to promote to the main team in 2016. And when you get right down to it, Carlos is quick. We would have not signed him otherwise, but he's no Verstappen. We helped Carlos with his career and we didn't have to let him go, but we allowed the move to Renault and then to McLaren. We have a good relationship, but at the moment, there was a Verstappen there and there's a performance difference between the two. Yeah. And, uh, th- th- that's, uh, very much the case. I mean, uh, they don't, uh, just hire any, uh, uh drivers to, uh, to go in, uh, into the Red Bull program. But obviously, uh, Max Verstappen is, uh, on, a, on, a bit on his own. Uh, I mean, he's a bit unique. I mean, he is one of these elite guys in, in Formula One. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, science, a good driver. And who knows? I mean, yet, like, uh, like I was saying earlier in the show, he hasn't necessarily ever had the greatest car to drive in and, uh, whether or not, uh, he could do more in, uh, in, in a better car. Yeah, I guess that's uh, the $64,000 question, but I kind of have uh, my, my doubts. Anyways, uh, time for one final break, and we're going to start wrapping it up slowly but uh, surely, so don't go away. We'll be back in just one moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive All right. Well, welcome back to the show here on Scuderia F1. The podcast always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Uh, just sticking with uh, Red Bull uh, briefly here, uh, Pierre Gasly, the uh, Toro Rosso uh, driver, uh, said that he felt like he was in a Hollywood movie at times last year as he had, uh, well, let's just say Pierre had a season of some uh, high highs and some uh, low lows. Uh, he did have a, a, his very first podium at the Brazilian Grand Prix at the end of the year, but he also had some uh, some real valleys uh, in there as well. I mean, he was dropped by Red Bull halfway through the season in favor of Alex Albon. I mean, he, he did, uh, he struggled throughout the first half of the year, and just was able to uh, deliver the results or the points, uh, necessary. Um, but, uh, very, very much a, uh, <laughs> a dramatic season. And, uh, I thought it was kind of amusing for him to say that, uh, it felt like a Hollywood movie. So, uh, who knows, maybe, uh, Gasly will be, uh, one of the subjects of the F1 uh, drive to survive when it comes out on uh, the, Net- Netflix uh, uh, next month. Anyways, uh, just uh, sticking with the, the theme of uh, young drivers here, uh, Ferrari has signed Charles Leclerc's uh, brother Arthur as an F one uh, junior. So the uh, the eighteen year old will uh, join Prema Power Team in the, the Formula Regional European Championship. And uh, well, it's kind of cool to see that uh, that ch- uh, Charles has uh, a brother coming through the system. I mean, Charles has been uh, with the uh, with uh, with uh, the Ferrari Driver Academy for a number of years now. Um, so that is also the same team uh, the the Prema Power Team, in which uh, Charles uh, secured his uh, graduation to uh, to Formula 1 after he had a, a really outstanding and dominant uh, uh, campaign in Formula 2 back in uh, 2017. Um, anyways, uh, uh, LeClaire Jr. had to say, quote, I'm really happy to announce that I will drive in the region, Formula Regional with one of the best teams in Junior Series. I did my very first test in single-seaters with Prema two years ago and always have uh, dreamed to race with them. Uh, this great opportunity comes with another big chance for me as I am proud to announce I am driving uh, I'm joining the Ferrari driver Academy I am very grateful for the support and trust given to me I cannot wait to be back in the racing seats so uh from a power team uh, principal Angela Rossens, had to say quote we are absolutely looking forward to having him in our talent pool in the the uh, early stages of his career he made the most out of his chances to, to race so we are confident about the potential for 2020 especially how we saw him perform as a contender he is an outstanding addition to the team and uh, on our side we are determined to work as hard as we can to make a difference for our drivers so that's very cool so i have to uh, follow the, uh, the the progress of uh, leclerc jr as he uh, he comes up uh, through the other the ranks who knows maybe we'll see charles and arthur leclerc both racing for uh, for for Ferrari one day in the, the future. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe, but it uh, seems a little bit un- unlikely, but still very cool story. And, uh, be exciting to see what Arthur Leclerc can do, uh, with his, uh, career in, uh, in motors, uh, racing. So just, this one's kind of skipping around a little bit. I'm just kind of going back, uh, to, um, uh, to, uh, to Red Bull again. I kind of threw this in there because we've sort of been talking about, uh, young drivers here. Anyways, uh, Marco has, uh, ruled out, uh, further, uh, Red Bull call- call-ups for ex-junior drivers and, uh, uh, so they're not considering bringing anybody back, like uh, Jean-Eric Vern back to Formula One. Uh, and that's according to to, to Marco. So uh, you know they have had uh, some uh, some issues uh, with uh, with uh, guys not having enough uh, uh, points to get their super license and uh, things like that, and um, they they have have a shortage of uh, Formula One drivers in their in their uh, program, and that led to to them uh, signing Brendan Hartley, who had left the program way back in 2010, and uh, he'd done well winning a. And the uh, the World Endurance Championship uh, with uh, with uh, with Porsche, but uh, I mean, uh, unfortunately, it just didn't translate into Formula One uh, for Hartley. And I mean, he was a bit disappointing. I mean, he had not even a third of the way through the season in 2018. Um, uh, France tossed the uh, the team principal at uh, Alpha Tauri, as uh, Toro Rosso is now known, uh, was uh, putting it out there that uh, that they wanted to work and deal with McLaren to sign uh, Lando Norris on a, basically on a loan deal for the remainder of 2018 and 2019. I mean that was uh, quickly uh, dismissed by Zach Brown and McLaren, but still, it uh, it, it did really uh, did really go anywhere. But still, I mean uh, hardly. I mean, I, it was obvious at that point that uh, that his days uh, were numbered. And actually, I'm kind of surprised that he lasted uh, the 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 rest of the season. But anyway, so there are other uh, drivers out there like uh, WEC and Formula E champ, uh, champion Sa- Sebastian uh, Buemi and Johnny Eric Verne, that were uh, cut from uh, Red Bull's ranks in the past, and uh, they've been. I guess uh, mentioned by some people in some areas as potential candidates uh, that could... Uh, drop into a Red Bull seat at somewhere and anyways Marco uh, shut it down pretty quickly saying quote the topic is closed they have made their careers in, directions in other directions and other motorsports sports categories so anyways <laughs> there you go anyways uh, just talking a, a little bit now about another young driver and a Canadian driver Nicholas Latifi who will be racing for Williams uh, next year he is going to use uh, Nico Rosberg's number 6 in uh, 2020 so uh, basically after Nico retired after the 27 16 season. Uh, The way that the the, the rules work, uh, a number, the driver's personal number is not available for the the next two seasons. So obviously, Rosberg is not coming back to Formula One, so number six is available and uh, Latifi has uh, decided to to snap that up and use it. And uh, anyways, uh, there is a reason for it and uh, Nicholas said it's not because uh, it has anything to do with uh, Nico Rosberg. Uh, It has to do with uh, the number six uh, is uh, very synonymous with uh, Toronto, which is a... a- the opposite side of my country and uh, the center of the universe is everybody outside of uh, Toronto and Canada <laughs> refers to it. We, we don't have our issues here, obviously. Anyways, joking aside, uh, so the the, the the two area codes in uh, Toronto uh, are 416 and 647. So Torontonians uh, refer to themselves as coming from the 6th. So basically that's uh, what uh, Nicholas has uh, decided to do as well. So yeah, that's kind of a cool thing. Say, showing a little bit of love to the hometown, which he always got to, got to respect. Uh, anyways, uh, just Talking about uh, the car launches now, uh, Mercedes has announced that uh, they will um, debut their car on uh, February 14th. So most of the uh, the, the, uh, the the car uh, launches are going to go from February 11th to February 14th, with uh, preseason testing getting underway at uh, at Barcelona shortly thereafter on February 19th. So that is uh, just around the corner. And uh, again, uh, as I was saying just now, uh, when talking about uh, Lewis Hamilton and to prove and otherwise i'm just going to f- uh, assume that uh, mercedes are gonna <laughs> are going to uh, uh release and design another winner so we'll uh, look forward to uh, with that anyways uh this next one, uh, quickly about uh, racing point, is a uh, is a little bit um, confusing, because uh, Sergio Perez, uh, one of the drivers, said that uh, their growth can be one of the biggest in uh, in 2020, and that is a uh, very much uh, contrasting uh, what uh, Team Principal Otmar Saffner has to say uh, that uh, that gains are going to take uh, will take time and it's uh, not going to come quick or easy, despite having uh, a very rich owner in uh, in Lawrence uh, Stroll. Uh, anyways, uh, Saffner had to say uh, I. I would say reasonable people with the same information come to the same conclusion. In F1, you have to do it over time. Even Mercedes took three years to win a race after they bought uh, Braun GP, and that was a team that had just won the championship. Red Bull bought a Jaguar, and how long did it take them to win? Five years, so it takes time. But you're right, Lawrence Stroll is ambitious, but he's got to understand it just doesn't happen overnight. So who knows? I mean, uh, they, they are kind of referring to uh, different uh, different time frames. Uh, Perez uh, figures that they they can do uh, they they can make more gains over uh, the, what they were last year, and more compared to other people. But uh, Safnauer, he's obviously looking at uh, big picture and looking further down the road uh, to where they may be uh, a more competitive team. But yeah, it, it is it is true. I mean, it, it did take. A lot of these teams that are top in Formula 1 right now, it it didn't happen overnight. It took uh, several years. And, uh, I mean, once uh, Mercedes uh, started winning... Well, they, they haven't really looked back, have have they? Anyway, so we're just going to finish up the show now with a, a couple of uh, quick stories about uh, about uh, Renault and uh, Cyril Abitaboul. The team principal believes that the 2021 uh, regulations and new Concord agreement will really boost uh, the chances of keeping Renault in involved in the sport. Uh, uh, you know, after an ongoing uh, review, so uh, there there has been some things going on there that was uh, started by the uh, the ousting of uh, the former boss Carlos. Gomes. Ocean, who was... Uh well, I mean, he was arrested in Japan and then apparently escaped custody, not also that long ago. So that's a, a bit of a strange one. Um, anyways, uh, Abitaboul had to, to go on uh, to say that, uh, that he believes that, uh, that Renault could be one of the main beneficiaries of the, the new 2021, uh, deal instead of regulations. And he says that even though he can't specifically say that, uh, or that, uh, that's been specifically engineered, uh, for Renault, it, uh, it really does, uh, fall nicely into their lap. And, uh, he said had to say quote from my perspective everything that we've uh, built we've done it with 2021 on, in mind and everyone is aware of that including Renault uh, corporate the figures speak for themselves having said that until a decision is made the decision is not made so I mean it, it's it's positive and you know honestly I really hope that uh, that Renault stick around i'm I'm disappointed uh, to see where they are right now I'd, I'd kind of expected to see them a little bit uh, further along I mean uh, I knew that when they, they bought out uh, Lotus a couple of or several years ago now, that uh, that it would take uh, a little bit, uh, you know, very much in the same uh, uh, spirit that uh, Otmar Safran was saying that a success for uh, Racing Point is not going to come overnight. I knew it was going to be the same uh, for, for Renault, but uh, the thing is, their, their progress forward is really plateaued and flattened out over the the, the, the years i mean they, they first re-raced with like basically a rebranded a rebadged uh, lotus uh, with just a different livery and uh, and badge on the front uh, rather than uh, the the black and gold of uh, of lotus or whatever it was at the time Then it became the uh the, the black and the gold of Renault or the yellow uh, whatever it is although i think it was more of a gold when they took over in what was it 2016 2015 anyways uh it uh, it is disappointing to see how much that they've struggled. I thought I, I knew it wouldn't come overnight. It wouldn't come quickly, but I am just uh, surprised that uh, they have struggled uh, as much as they have with, over the past couple of years. So uh, it, it is promising to hear that. But uh, Abubuuli he's, he's obviously tempering his uh, his words. He's he's throwing that caveat out there that uh, despite the fact that the, the the new regulations, the new concord agreements are very favorable for Renault it's hard to predict what the, the decision at the very top of the company is going to be despite, uh, or in, well, maybe in, uh, because of all the turmoil that uh, has gone on at the very uh, top there in the boardroom that uh, until they make a decision, no decision has been made and uh, therefore their future is up uh, up in the air. But they do have a couple of uh, different, or they, sorry, they do have, a, well, they do have different drivers <laughs> than everybody else. They do have a pair of very good drivers and uh, a very young and yet unproven estimate Ben uh, Ocon, who uh, looks like he's uh, got uh, he's got a lot of skills, but uh, in the in the time that he was with, uh, I guess, uh, Racing Point and Force India, I guess he just sort of transcended that uh, that interim uh, period uh, switch between the two. But I mean, he's come in to replace uh, Nico Hulkenberg uh, this year, and uh, he he was a Renault driver uh, when he began his uh, Formula One uh, career. And uh, Abitabul uh, did say that uh, bringing in Ocon brings in another dynamic. I mean, you have a French driver. In a French team, so that uh, that's pretty cool. And um, Btw uh, believes that uh, having an O'Connor there will push them in different directions because he's a new energy and a new aggressiveness, which uh, he he feels is a, a very positive, uh, you know. Um a situation to have and uh, he'll have a different set of experience uh, uh, a different set of experiences having worked with Mercedes over the past couple of years I mean he was the uh, the reserve driver there last year so I mean to get into the cockpit of the car but he's been around that so he'll bring uh, his experiences uh, to the team there but uh, at the end of the day they're gonna have to you know get him to uh, do well uh, for for that team but uh, they've got uh, they've got a good a good lineup I think so um, you know with with uh, with, uh, with Oca and Danny Ricardo who's uh, now going into what? third, second year? <laughs> I guess second year now at, uh, at Renault. Just starting to lose my mind a little bit. It's starting to get a little bit late, so probably a good indication it's a uh, time to uh, th- to start closing it down. But I'm going to do so just on the notes here that uh, that Renault did uh, go on to say that uh, that uh, if they have uh, a poor season in 2020, and uh, they, they can't blame that on the preparation and the, uh, the ambitions uh, that they have for uh, for 2021. Uh, so uh, uh, Bita Bull, who's uh, been uh, talking quite a bit. He said uh, from, uh, it's been, quote, it's been a, a regular winter, but I also think it's a winter that precedes a year that will be a bit challenging in a way that we need to balance 2020, uh, 2021 against 2020. Everyone up and down the grid will have that challenge, but I think no team has the same amount of expectation as us for 2021 because of all of our strategies are based on that, but also the regulations are mass- massively benefiting us. That is why it has to be that way. But I don't 2021 to be an excuse for 2020 and for doing a poor season in 2020 in 2020 we should leverage all the changes that have been done in 2019 uh so yeah again i really hope that uh, that reno uh get it uh, turned around and uh, we'll have to wait and see uh it's it's uh the proof is in the pudding, right? It uh, results on the track uh, speak for themselves. I mean, they've said at uh, different times over the years that, oh, well, now we've uh, we've made all these gains, we've hired more people, you know, the, the, the power units putting out more power than ever, all these different things and it just hasn't translated to any results uh, on the track. So Renault will definitely be a team that I'll be watching with interest as, well, all the other uh, nine other teams uh, beside them in Formula One this year. Anyways, that's a good place to, to wrap it up. Uh, my eyes are starting Need to get a little bit heavy here in gravelly i still have a couple of hours of uh, post-production to do so i'm just going to sign off right here so if you want to get in touch easiest way to leave some feedback a comment question or you just want to say hi easiest way is on twitter at Scuderia f1 pod or you can send me an email at scootery f1 pod at gmail.com if you want to help us uh, and support us here on the show the easiest uh, way that only take a couple of minutes of your time just go to uh, apple podcasts or your favorite uh, place where you download listen to podcasts leave a 5 star rating or a review it really does uh, make a big big difference anyways that's it, that's a wrap, I'm out of here thank you very much for listening and I'll talk to you guys again this time next week ciao thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast, if you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to scuderiaf1pod.com want to get in touch with us? then email us at scuderiaf1pod at gmail.com